It's that time of year again. Time for Honest Black Friday sale. Starting on Thanksgiving, November 22nd, Honest's biggest sale of the year will deliver the deepest discounts on all of your favorite products. Nothing is off limits. The number one selling nootropic alpha brain, all Marvel and Star Wars fitness equipment, even our complete day and night supplement packs, Total Human. And to top it off, for the first time ever, Onnit is thrilled to offer free shipping. Say what? Some exclusions apply. 25% off supplements, 18% off fitness, including Star Wars and Marvel, and certifications, 20% off foods, 50% off DVDs and books. Who doesn't love DVDs and books? 30% off apparel and personal care. In addition to massive price cuts, the more you buy, the more awesomeness you unlock. A $10 coupon, free shipping, and free premium gifts are all available this year. Make 2019 the best year of your life by stocking up now. Actually, that sounds like some bullshit. What I mean to say is 2019's coming. You're going to want to fucking buy these supplements, and you damn sure want to stock up when they're at their cheapest point, which only happens once a year right now. So pony up the cheese, do it for your body, do it for your brain, do it for your mind, do it for your health, do it for the life you want to live in the optimized way you know how. Sales starts Thanksgiving at 9 p.m., so mark your fucking calendars. We'll be launching amazing doorbuster deals every night at midnight. Free gifts and doorbusters are in limited supply. So hashtag get on it, or you just might miss it. Check it out at onit.com slash Black Friday. Welcome to the Human Optimization Hour. I'm your host, Kyle Kingsbury. And check it out. We got a bonus episode for you. Corey LaJoy is a young NASCAR driver. He's a savage. He's third generation. His daddy did it, and his granddaddy did it. And now he's doing it. And uh, we take a quick dive into everything that he's doing right now, his aspirations, what he's gone through to get here, and all the cool shit back behind the wheel. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we've got, how, how do we say the last name? LaJoy. LaJoy. That's, that's the Americanized version. Right. Of it. It's French. Uh, it's LaJoie, but LaJoie. that's a couple of generations removed. I got you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And you are a NASCAR driver. A NASCAR driver, man. And you're young. Yeah, 27, just turned 27 last week. That's amazing. So most people, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the sport, so I don't want to act like I am, but you have to start really young, right? What yeah. How did you get I mean, started? I think it's, you could almost compare it to fighting a little bit because, you know, that car control has to be instinctual, like any sort of move, I guess, when you're fighting somebody. I've, I've never fought, but, you know, that's uh, when, when you're in the race and you're racing wheel to wheel with somebody, man, it's uh, you don't have time to really think. You just got to react. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I was lucky enough. My dad did it. Uh, so he stuck me as soon as I was two feet tall to stick, stick me in a go-kart and, and push me along, right? And say, hey, good luck to you. Don't hit anything, right? Put a helmet on and <laughs> off I went. So, yeah, it's uh, my grandpa raced. I raced. I'm a third-generation race car driver, and and I'm, I'm trying to carry that LaJoy flag high. That's awesome. So starting that, too, with go-karts and then – what what do you, you you there's there's gaps before you yeah. get to where you're at right yeah yeah there's still certainly gaps, those from, gaps from a four year old on a go kart to a, a 25 year old cup driver um, it's kind of actually structured like baseball where it's the majors which is the the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series uh, the Xfinity Series is like AAA trucks to AA and on down the list with a bunch of feeder series so hmm. uh, it's just kind of the natural progression you learn 
with people the same age as you, right? And, and late models when you're 14, 15, 16, then you move up to the K&N series. And I was able to have success in all those divisions and, and got, got the call last year to, uh, to be a rookie in the Cup Series and still trying to climb that ladder. That's awesome. So at, at any point in your career, did you face any challenges? Like anything that was just like... Dude, my whole life's been a, been a struggle. I mean, it's, it's weird because people think that since my dad had some decent success in this, that was, I'm the silver spoon kid. It's never been the case. And, you know, when dad was having his success in the middle 90s, race car drivers didn't get paid a whole lot. You know, I mean, they got paid well, right? But not enough to to pay for your kid all through his journey. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I, you kind of, people are quick to label in anything, right? So I had to work through that label. And it actually was a time to where a couple of years, and it was about four years ago where the, the driving stuff dried up on me. And I was, I had to be a crew chief and set cars up for other people just to pay bills. Uh, and a lot of things happened. And, um, you know, I was actually going down that path. It was kind of a fork in the road. I was super successful when I was 16, 17, 18, and, and sponsorship money dried up. Had to go down the path of working on them. So that made me appreciate that side of it and what the guys that always worked on my cars did. Uh, and, and I was going down that, and a uh, sponsor that I met a couple of years prior wanted to get me back in the fold, gave a little bit of money, got me back in the Xfinity Series, which is like AAA, ran well, and got the nod from from Ron Devine and BK Racing last year to uh, – see what I got. And that's and awesome. The, re- the rest is kind of history. I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still paying my dues, I guess you can say with, you know, the, the lesser funded teams. It's <clears throat> however much money you got, however fast you go. It's uh, a lot of discrepancy from the fast guys to the slow guys and money. But, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to even be one of them 40. Uh, it's not where I want to be competitively ultimately, but I'm learning the tracks. I'm learning, you know, just the environment and, and places you go. And I get to to be on team on it, which is a dream come true. I mean, I've followed the brand for, uh, for probably four or five years now and, uh, always been into fitness and CrossFit and, and, and been a huge MMA fan. Never really got into it. Cause I didn't really feel like getting my arm ripped out of socket <laughs> to go a couple of days before I have to go to the racetrack. But, uh, I, I got teamed up with these guys and it's been amazing. And to even be on this show, man, I listened to the show since the start and to be sitting here in front of you is pretty crazy so that's awesome brother it's crazy where uh where it's taken me the last couple of years because i thought i was just going to be one of the uh you know one of the guys behind the scenes working on it making the cars go fast and over about a 16th month period it's turned and you know now i'm now i'm on the on the camera so it's pretty crazy yeah let's let's talk a bit about what what it's like in the race because so much of this, and you alluded to this earlier, there is a parallel between racing and fighting. And Bruce Lee talks about this. You don't, you can't train to the point of where you're still thinking. You have to train to the point where you no longer think and it's all reflex, right? right? Because the shit's happening so fast that if you have to think about the move or what's coming at you, yeah, you're you've already, already fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing on the track with how fast you guys go. Um, what else plays a factor in your mental preparation for the race? Man, it's, uh, it's a lot because... From the outside looking in, if you're just sitting in the stands, and, and the big stereotype of NASCAR is you just go straight, turn left, go straight, turn left. Well, that's if if you got to the track and actually listened to it and actually sat down there right up against the fence when we're whizzing by at 210 miles an hour, man, there's a lot of uh, g forces on your body. The cars are hot as shit. They're about 140 degrees in the cockpit there the whole time, and you're in there for four hours at a time. So you're literally locked into you're locked in seven point harness 
your feet aren't moving. The only thing moving essentially is your shoulders and your ankles, right? So like, I don't think your body was made to, uh, to sit in the same spot for four hours <laughs> and literally move two joints in your body. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's as much as it's physical, the physically demanding with, you know, you talked about a sauna, you know, to, to get your body used to sitting in that 140 degree, uh, car for four hours a time. Yeah. It takes training because it's uncomfortable and you just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it takes a little bit long. Uh, it takes a little while to get, actually get used to that. Uh, Cause your body doesn't want, doesn't like being in that. Yeah. Um, yeah we and, want homeostasis. We want it nice yeah, and calm. We I, want want 70, I want 72, 72 degrees. degrees. Yeah. Hell yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you, when you hop in there and you're sweating and your and your brains, when your brain's being noisy and, and, and you have so many distractions going on to be able to flip that switch and, and, uh, and really quiet your brain out and do the job at hand is, is what took me the longest, uh, to really understand how, how separate your, your body and your brain is, uh, to really quiet your brain down and do, do the job that it takes. Cause if you're, you know, if you're looking at a coffee cup and early in my career, when you're not confident in your abilities and, and you're not confident in your own self, you know, your cup's full, right? And anytime you get any sort of hardship, man, your, your cup's going to overflow. So trying to, trying to take all the distractions and all the things and, and just essentially grow your capacity and make your cup bigger. That way anything changes and, you know, cause things are constantly changing, right? Whether it's track temperature or the handle on your race car, you have to be ahead of that and expect that. And, uh, you know, the, the more area you have in your cup to, to dump in those distractions that you could just take it, you know, secondhand. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, you're, you're giving yourself bandwidth right. for anything else that's about to come in. You yeah. have more downloads coming your way. Mm -hmm. There's a new I mean, factor. Exactly. Man, when, like when I first started going a couple of years, or last year was my rookie year, I didn't have a big bandwidth, right? I was a 16 gig iPhone that could only hold 15 <laughs> pictures, right? Like I was so concentrated on, on the little things that I know that I wasn't allowing myself to, to grow. And mm -hmm. it took, it took meeting with a sports psychologist to kind of look at step back and look at the big picture uh, to actually, yeah, be confident in the things you do know and what has gotten you here, but also kind of let go of some of those things and learn, you know, learn how to be a professional because being a professional in the race car is what I've always learned how to do. But being a professional outside the race car, dealing with sponsors and and people and pit crews and all that stuff is was all new to me at the time. So mm. uh, that's been the biggest thing to me is is uh, you know getting a bigger bandwidth because you know there's so many distractions and and you know it, the Bible says to to whom a lot has been given, lots expected. So to try to keep growing that and and uh, you know I feel like I'm, I'm a pretty religious guy, so God's put God's put me. I feel like in this situation to. Uh, He's putting a lot of things on my plate, and I'm going to try to disperse those to you know whoever needs them. So, uh, you know, I try to take the back seat sometimes, but I've learned a lot, and and it's man, it's it's, it's just crazy me to be sitting here, <laughs> it, like it, in Aubrey's office it, on it, dude. Like it, yeah. it really is crazy. Like I'm not like fanboying here, but it's it's crazy because you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, and like I'm just a regular dude, man. Like I, I it's it's just cool. Hell yeah. Unpack some of the uh, the stuff that you've worked on with your sports psychologists. I used two of them when I was fighting professionally. Uh, one worked with me primarily on visualization because I used to fucking panic 
in my walkouts and I would panic yeah. at the weigh-ins even the day before the fight. No, I'm not going to fight the guy right yeah. then, but it would just fucking all the fear mm-hmm. and being in front of people half naked. Yeah. You know, so like we would walk through and those stand, things. And standing next to some guy that wants to beat the yeah, shit out of Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the mean mugs square off, all that bullshit. Yeah. But yeah. with enough visualization like that, I had already walked myself through that. You know, I had done enough laps and enough... Um, you know, walkthroughs of whatever that thing was so that when I got to it, it didn't matter. It was cool. You know, yeah. it was easy. And then the other sports psychologists worked with me on breath work, Qigong, yeah. different things like that. So I could quiet my mind in the storm. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of parallels here. No doubt. So what, what are some of the things that-, that So we did the, the stomach breathing stuff versus chest breathing mm-hmm. was pretty big because I didn't have any idea. And you don't know until you've worked with somebody that knows more than you do, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the problem with that stomach breathing is as much as it's linked- to calming your mind down, it's almost impossible to do it while you're sitting down strapped in. I mean, mm. you're literally, that lap belt is as tight as they can get and your shoulder straps are tight as they can get. So any sort of breath is hard to come by, let alone a strictly stomach breathing versus chest breathing. Uh, but to try to really concentrate on that uh, was big. And then, and actual, you said vision, but working on your peripheral vision was big for me where, it, I don't know what the what the activity or whatever it's called, but to to pick a spot on the ceiling, like the corner of the ceiling, and literally just open your peripheral up, and it calms your mind as well. So, hmm. <clears throat> you know, before I, before I get in the car, or when I, even when I'm in the car, because that's the only time you're not around people, right? Is when you get in and put your helmet on. Like that's the quiet. It's it's ever going to be all weekend, and I'll sit there, pick a spot, whether it's a roll bar on the car and I'll like actually open my vision up and go all the way to the right, all the way to the left, all the way up and all the way down. That way you're fully aware of your surroundings and anything that's coming isn't new, right? Like Mm -hmm. this a post window with a duct in it. If it, or if it's a a certain duct tape, that's going to, that's going to take away your concentration for a split second. You already seen it. Right. So, as much as it is seeing actual things around the car or the the surroundings at the track, it's as much as I think calming your mind to, uh, you know, because everybody gets in the middle of a workout and your brain's like, stop doing this to me. Like, just quit. Like, take a breather. But you don't get to take a breather when you're going 200 miles an hour and you're yeah. trying to – guys behind you want to pass you and you the 15, 20 guys in front of you, you got to pass, right, to do your job to the best that you can do. So that's – uh it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that, uh, like you said, parallels between racing and, and fighting. That uh, if you don't really dig into racing and, and find out all the different strategies and all the work that goes in to make those cars go fast, uh, because you're fighting for literally tenths of a second, uh, t- that could be the difference between being fifth and being twenty fifth. So, those if you're two percent off in ten areas, man, all of a sudden you're really slow. So let alone that in the car side, if you're 10% off in your, in your mental clarity or your, your body condition of not being in shape at the end of the race, man, that guy, that next guy's going to get you. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that too. So you, you mentioned CrossFit and some different things. I mean, obviously there's, there is a, there's a general misconception. I think when people think of race car drivers, they think of them as like, uh, it's not, you know, you're in a fucking car but they don't realize like the heat, the exhaustion, the yeah. endurance that's required, the G-force, the core stability to stay in place, like all of that factored into the fact that it's that long 
of a race, yeah. right? So what are some of the ways that you train specifically for racing? Uh, some sauna work helps, but when I get into like the meat of the season where you've been going for two months and haven't had an off week and you know you're not going to have an off week for another couple months, you I don't go to the sauna just because you're getting that every Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'll do that in the off season just to, to keep my brain trained. Um, and then, you know, it's almost like doing – a thousand side bends in a hundred and forty degree sauna. I mean, that's what it is, because man, your low back gets fired up because your hips, your hips are trying to hold your body up. But when you're turning, your your shoulders are going away. You know, they're going to the right. Your head's going to the right. Mm. You'll literally have some places you'll have tears. I'll have tears run out of this eye, over my nose, into this eye, and out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like it's, and I don't even. I'm sure I blink, but like I don't think about it when I'm blinking. But there's been places. Where you're like, you're, it's weird too because you'll sometimes get into so much of a zone per se that you you get comfortable and then you almost have to snap yourself out of it because you're giving up that little bit of time because you are being comfortable. You, I feel like you have to always be uncomfortable to be able to reach that full potential mm. of the car speed. So you know, you can get you can get in a in a comfortable rhythm of lifting at the same spot right and get to the gas at the same spot uh but then all of a sudden after 20 laps you've been giving up that just that tenth and a half of speed man that adds up to you know a second and a half on the racetrack which is which is huge rogan's talked about that before with fighting that you know you have to have a certain level of nerves in each fight as almost like a respect level yeah and that you know if you go into a fight where you really have zero nerves Odds are you're going to get your ass kicked because right. you don't realize like the fucking weight of the situation, yeah. you know, or, or what that potential is from your opponent, right. you know. But you touched on a subject that I wanted to dive into in flow. Like so much of mastery in any sport comes in flow states, right? How often have you found that you've been able to tap into that? And what are the ways that you try to tap into flow? I don't even know what flow is. Flow would be when you're in the fucking zone. <laughs> okay. Right. So where it's almost like an out of body experience. Yeah, man. It's like weird. you're you're there's no time. You don't yeah. you're not concerned with time. You're not concerned with anything. And yeah. then when it ends, you're like, holy shit, where yeah. was I? Right. Yeah. Every every week I get I get into that. It's like it's it's soothing in a in a sense because like this is your this is your talent being fully maximized well because when when you're in the car now granted some cars can go faster than others that's just the name of the game the cars that have more horsepower more aero grip and a better setup are going to go faster than the cars that don't but there's a maximum velocity that the car i'm driving can go and and you just kind of, once you get into that zone and once you find out the parameters of what that car can take then you then you can get in that zone and then you can hammer it out. And sometimes it's almost, like I just said, it's it's almost important to to be in that for you don't want to be that in the whole the entire time because then <clears throat> then you get comfortable. So you have to you have to ramp that intensity back up. Sometimes the car can't take it, so so you can actually get out of that rhythm and then you got to reel it back in, right? Because sometimes sometimes it takes it calls for 110 percent effort and sometimes it calls for 95 percent effort so you just gotta you gotta balance that the whole day because there's sometimes right if there's if you're in lap 150 of a 500 lap race you don't want to go 110 percent because then your brakes are going to be used up your tires are going to be shot mm. you're going to get your heart rate's going to get up and you have to manage that for the end of the race where it's more important 
Yeah. How much of this has to do with pacing? Like how much, how does that factor in? Because you have pit stops, you have times yeah. where you can come and get things fixed, but they're not changing out everything. No. Right? So you, you just change, put four tires on and, and fuel uh, and make some small adjustments uh, to the weight screws in the back of the car to, to make it looser tight. But um, yeah, you don't get much time. And as, there's not actually, there's more pacing in the lower divisions because to save money, essentially, they don't give you tires. They give you one set of tires for the race. It's a oh, shorter race. Okay. So you yeah. actually have to pace. You want tires left at the end of the race, so you have to pace 50% at the beginning of the race to get it at the end of the race. Well, Cup Series and, and Xfinity Series, you get tires every time there's a caution, essentially. So mm. anytime you get the opportunity to come put tires on, you put tires on, and you're making 50 qualifying laps all you got. And then caution comes out, come in, put four more tires on, and you're all out again. So there's way less pacing. Uh, now, certain tracks call for pacing on brakes because you don't want to go too hard early run. Brakes get hot. Engine will get hot. Your body will get hot. Like There's there's a, a little bit amount of pacing, but if you are pacing, there's somebody not, and he's probably, gonna yeah. be, he's probably yeah. going faster than you are. Yeah. Shit, what else, what else is going on in your life outside of racing? I'm getting married New Year's Eve. I'm excited about that. Wedding planning is don't uh, do it. I know. <laughs> yeah, we, I kid. I kid. Uh, I love my wife. It's uh, it's expensive to plan a wedding. Yeah, it's pay for a wedding. But she's uh, she's been with me through the crew chief in days, all through this crazy journey of being back in the fold on the driving side. So, uh, she's she's definitely the person I want to go through life with. And uh, so there's that. That we're we've only got two more weeks left in the season. So hopefully close that out with a bang. And then, uh trying to trying to get myself in the best position possible for next year because you know when you're in that back 15 cars the garage those teams are so tight on cash that they're essentially taking the driver with the most amount of sponsorship dollars whether or not you know myself has a little bit more talent than the next guy if that guy's got another million bucks they're gonna give that guy the nod mm -hmm. over myself so trying to find a team that uh and where i'm at now tristar motorsports is great and I'd like to stay there, but you know we'll see what happens on their end. Uh, so uh, if if you come to the race eventually, the the trailers are parked highest in points to the lowest in points, and some right now we're somewhere around that thirtieth mark. So obviously my goal is to try to keep going up them trailers, right, mm -hmm. uh, and eventually being a, a championship capable car because all the guys that I was racing with coming up, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney. Uh, Daryl Wallace Jr., all these guys my age that are making a big wave in the sport, Kyle Larson. Uh, you know, I've raced with all these guys and I've I've beat them a lot and they've beaten me some, but I know that my talent level is capable. Those those guys just got a really good opportunity uh, with some better teams and and their career just went a different path. So uh, mine's just been a little more of a struggle, but I don't mind a struggle because it makes you appreciate it more, right? Yeah, hell yeah. And the struggle and the stress and the challenge is the thing that helps us grow. Right, for right? sure. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't trade it all. I, I've, if you told me today to trade it in for a for Jimmy Johnson's car, I probably wouldn't do it because I, I wouldn't be sitting here today with the with the outlook on on life and racing and a career and and family and friends as I do now. So I uh, I don't take it off. I don't take any for granted. What are, what is the like the age group of people when they get to that the level that you're at? Are you fairly young for? Yeah, being I'm probably. Where you're at? Uh, there's there's actually just a group of us that, that kind of are over the last two two or three years that have that have came in when some older guys got out. Uh, I would say that the uh, I'm probably fourth or fifth younger youngest guy, mm. but the average age for a driver in their prime is 37. Okay, so that's kind of 
completely backwards from most of their sports, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where that's kind of where uh, knowledge and talent kind of inter- or you know physical ability kind of intersect, right? Yeah, you haven't lost all the physical abilities, and right. You have that much more track experience, exactly. that much more time exactly. in. Exactly. So it, you know, Jimmy Johnson's in his prime still. Kevin Harvick's in his prime still. So those are the older guys that are at the top. Uh, so hopefully, I can stick around this deal for another seven years to get really in my prime and be. Uh, you know, in a cable car to win some races one day because uh, I feel like I mean I feel like I'm right there, and uh, you know, once I do get those opportunities, I, I'm certainly going to make the most of it. Hell yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, dude, it's been awesome having you on the show, man. No problem. I'm glad. I'm glad you had me. It's Hell been, yeah, brother. It's been a blast. Uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Corey LeJoy. That's me. Come follow me. I usually have a. Uh, I do Instagrams. Instagram's my favorite one. I like to have fun on my stories and stuff and interact with people. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to grow that because you know social media nowadays is king, right? So mm-hmm. try to uh, try to build that for for companies like Onnit that that want to help me as as much as I want to you know be a part of uh, if companies like that. So it's uh, to be doing cool stuff like this is is awesome. Fuck yeah, brother! It's been yeah, awesome yeah. having you, my man. I need to have you out to a race. I would love that. Yeah, for sure. For cool. sure. You uh, you would be you'd be way more surprised on on all the inner workings behind the scenes as as you would think. I just keep picturing the movie Cars, so I know that's not a uh, <laughs> not good. As long as good as long as you're not as long as you're not picturing Talladega Nights, like, okay? Because that is the worst <laughs> damn movie to to carry the torch for our sport. You don't want to go fast? Hell yeah, I want to go fast. Okay. But all right. But man, it's uh, there's so many stereotypes in that movie. And granted, you got to take it lightly, right? It's hilarious. And Days of Thunder is probably one of my favorite movies. But that's probably a little bit mellow more yellow car. Oh yeah. So it's it's cool. It's a big it's a big traveling circus, is what it is. You see the same people every week, uh, and, and race against the same people every week. So it's a pretty cool community to uh to be in for sure. That's awesome, brother. Well, fuck yeah, man. We'll run it's it back, good. and I'll definitely love to come out and watch you race. It'd be awesome. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, I don't think I have plans. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Okay. Awesome, brother. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. We will be having more bonus episodes coming your way. So if you enjoy the show and you like a shorter version of it, then maybe you'll see that on a bonus episode you like in that 20 to 40 minute range. Thanks for listening. If you need supplements or food products, go to onnit.com slash podcast for 10% off.